also want to say happy Indigenous People Honoring Day tomorrow. And I will be bowing down in grace and honor for the Indigenous people whose home on which I stand, sleep, walk, and love. Honoring that tomorrow. I am fascinated by sound and what moves us through the world, how much sound we take in, how much sound we take out. Sometimes in relationships, if there's no soundbite of music, I have to say goodbye to whoever my love interest is because I don't hear a love song in the background because that's the way we condition, and that's not true. I'm only kidding you. But I want to talk about sound today, so I decided to bring in a person who uh, holds um, space for sound in the work he does. His name is David Mark Siegel. David is a songwriter, a composer, a sound engineer, a multi-instrumentalist with a 20-year history, writing for films, short promos, video, ads, rock bands, and theatrical productions. Before he says hello, let's listen to a clip of a sound, and let me see if you can tell what this is, and if you can't, Dave is going to tell us. All right. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Okay. Absolutely. One of my favorite words. Absolutely. David, what what were we listening to? Uh, so that was something I, I put together a, f- a few years ago now. It contained sounds I recorded at home. Um, the basis of it was the sound of the washing machine. Um, I noticed one day when I was hanging around the house, the washing machine was running and it seemed to be making a beat. Um, and I recorded a bunch of sounds around it and I recorded a bunch of sounds of, of hitting different plastic things and, and things around the kitchen um, and then kind of sequenced them together and just to see what I could do with it. And uh, so the basic sound, I mean, if you'd listen again, you'd hear it's like the sound of like a something clicking on and then the rest of it is the sound of me. I basically made like a, my own sampled drum set from things in the kitchen and then tweaked the sounds with technology to make them deeper or maybe a little more distorted or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of fascinated by what you can do to normal everyday sounds and just the kind of the music around us. How did you understand that this was your interest? How did you get involved in sound engineer? What was the trigger for you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I started, uh, I played piano when I was a kid um, from very young. And then, I mean, I was kind of on the classical piano train for a while. And it wasn't deeply compelling to me, but I liked fiddling around on the piano. And I remember seeing a piano player who was doing things like opening up the top of the piano and striking the, the strings, not using the hammers and just making different noises. And I always thought that was really interesting. And, uh, I mean, I switched to guitar. So for a long time, I didn't really have a way to, to approach sound. And I, I'd, I'd say I was definitely much more of just a musician. Um, but then as I got more into playing guitar without having a band, 
it was easy to to create recording environment. It's just with technology at the time and since, and it's just it's very easy to um, create a recording environment where you can just record whatever you want. And um, and the more I got into kind of home recording, the more I I came to just kind of feel the the music just around me all the time, and that that it was more of a just bringing sounds in. And, you know, sound, any sound at a regular cadence suddenly became music. So tell us a little bit about the, some of the projects that sound has cured you and introduced you to that people relied on you to create the sounds around that project. Yeah, sure. Um, so although I started playing in rock bands primarily, um, even early on, a lot of my bandmates, they thought a lot of the things I wrote well, they they insisted I should consider doing advertisement mu- sounds and m- music and whatnot. Um, because? Because they found my stuff, I think, a little left of center, that a lot of the tonalities were a little odd and the the composition might have been a little strange for them. Um, for a rock band? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, which was, which was interesting. I didn't necessarily agree. I was just doing what I thought was what kind of felt natural to me because that's sort of the, the nice thing about a band is you're theoretically just making it can be whatever you want it to be um so but, but while i was playing in bands i started doing some work with theater groups in san francisco and um and the more i got into that kind of sound design the more i got into the idea of that it, it can well, what I found really delightful about it was that what I was doing was solving a problem. I was providing uh, a puzzle piece to fit into a given slot, and it could the the texture of the piece could be whatever I wanted, the color could be whatever I wanted. It just had to fit, and uh, so I really liked the problem solving, and frankly, the 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 limits that it imposed, since it had to um, you know whether it was making a uh, the sound of a house falling apart in a play, um, like I did in this this play in in uh, 2006, this that Peter Noctree wrote in the city. This play called Hunter Gatherers, um, the sort of earthquake, house falling apart, kind of apocalyptic sound effect, um, or or if it's doing something maybe a little cornier, like making a um, a news theme for a, a comedy sketch for a, you know, like a news, a news, an anchor news kind of comedy sketch. Um, Let's go back to the uh, uh, creating sounds for a house falling apart. Mm-hmm. What kind of sounds did you create to give the listener the authenticity of it? Even though most of us have never witnessed a house falling apart, so it's up to the creator to. T- Tell us what that is. Sure, sure. Well, and that's it's a very interesting question too, because the actual sound of a the, the actual sound of something as it would sound in the real world isn't necessarily the sound that you want to bring to that situation, because you want that sound to scream. It is what it is, um, as opposed to it is what you're seeing. You know, it, it has to tell part of a story. It's not trying to represent an actual thing. So you're actually telling a tiny bit of story it's 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 almost like in a musical they take a music break and they'll sing some narrative element whether two people expressing something for one another um or a plot point and and everything progressing you know this is more everybody yelling oh no and then sound and so that sound had to tell that story so it was a combination of uh you know a deep rumble 
that you know really pushing the the tonalities and that that you want people to hear the low end um, cracking sounds um, maybe like a moment of fire here and there just things that that quickly sound like destruction <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, way to say it. You could just take that as an audience member take that all in because they've had the lead up with the stirring and mm-hmm. oh no prepares right. us and you create something to make that oh no believable and right. it's a house falling apart even though two yeah. weeks later we see a house falling apart and we say wait a second. Well you hear like right I mean if you think of what does a house falling apart sound like you might think uh timber falling or the sound of flame and eating eating wood um but even like the sound of what does an earthquake sound like it sounds like whatever it's shaking right it isn't necessarily a thing in and of itself it's um and and so it it, you often hear people saying that something sounded like a tornado sounded like a train coming right at them or Mm -hmm. something so it's it's sort of playing with these notions of what we expect things to sound like um, and a little bit of what they really do. So we have brought in several clips that you have um, uh, share, that you share with us in a, a sample. Let's listen to another clip and then you tell us what we're listening to, I mm-hmm. think. So that is a clip of the theme song I made for Friends Podcast, actually. It's called the SupDoc Podcast. And, uh, um, <clears throat> pardon me, the, the basic idea was to make something that sounded, uh, it sounded tense and give it a simmer and, and very specific instrumentation. Um, and I connected to this, the world of kind of, of, of sound design because I, I went from, playing in rock bands to doing some sound design and even sometimes using instruments to portray noises that take place in a character's world in a theatrical event. And that led me to realizing how you make songs tell certain stories. Like that last one, there's a tension, right? And there's... Is that, that, is that coming from that dun, 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 dun? So there's there's a few things, right? Because there's the drums are this like this march. So there's that gives it the forward motion, and then there's the the cello sound that dun 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 dun, and that's it's kind of yeah you like there's a foreboding, but then there's something both tense but kind of playful about the piano that like dun 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 this like recurring quality of it. There's something about you know and and the way the space everything's using space slightly differently to tell some part of that story um and so just how these these different instruments uh the impact they have is something is kind of a world that opened up to me through kind of turning away from just playing guitar or or, or what have you and and focusing more on um like what what do drums do when played this way or that way? And what does piano do if played at this frequency and in this way? Um, frequency meaning how often. Um, um, and same with that that cello doing this repeating line, how that adds tension and how things interact with that. 
So when you're in the process, David, uh, we're listening to Cover to Cover Javelin's Bistro, and I'm talking with David Mark Siegel. He's a songwriter, composer, sound designer, multi-instrumentalist with a 20-year history for writing for films, short promos, videos, as rock bands, and theatrical productions. So we're playing in sound today and what that means and, and different ways in which David structures that for whatever he's working on. So when you are creating a piece... Is it that someone brings you the topic that they're dealing with? And how do you take us through the process, the thinking process the, yeah. of, of getting to what it is that you think they may want? Sure. Um, so it depends on whether they want something that's more on the sound design side of the line or the music composition side of the line. What is it different? So tell us the difference yeah, yeah. for the layperson. So to my mind, the way I conceptualize it, um, that's just in terms of what I would ask of somebody. If someone said, hey, I have a uh, I have a project, we want a theme song written, or I want some underscoring, that, that and I want it to kind of give this impact, then I'd say, and this isn't something, as, as someone who's done this a lot, I think the <clears throat> one of the earlier things I had to learn was how to ask the right questions, to, to get the information from someone who they might not know, be that familiar with talking two musicians about this but um so i've you know i think it's i've learned to kind of elicit the information i need so i'd say okay great you want a theme song uh give me three reference songs that sound sort of like what you want okay and i'll come up with something that's like the intersection of all three it's best with i actually find three to be the best it creates kind of that planar effect right two is a line three is a plane um it's, it it lets it makes it easiest to get a sense for what a director's really trying to achieve. Okay. Um, if they only get one or two, that's fine too. We can work it out. It's just a question of how many iterations it takes to get to what they're envisioning versus what I'm envisioning. Because it, it, getting it's hard to get in someone else's head, and it's in the same way it's hard to get something out of my head without doing it. Whereas for sound. Um, getting a sense for the kind of sound palette they're going for is really important so do they want and it, there's other ways of asking it but like do they want something that sounds realistic do they want futuristic do they want like a science fiction kind of sound do they want um like metallic do they want it to be uh, kind of tinny and shrill uh booming i mean there's there's a lot of details that go into it and it also depends on where it's playing if, if something's in a theatrical event versus a film you would need to do different things in terms of the production just because um even just playing in the theater i mean it, the the earthquake thing um i mean i had when i first heard it in the theater i had to adjust it because it wasn't certain sounds weren't coming out so i had to you know the the presentation of I mean, that's sort of one of the beauty, beautiful things about sound. That's kind of one of the things I liked about it uh, prior to being a musician. I did a lot of visual art, but I really liked switching into sound because you were kind of making things in real time, and it was in the air, and it was um, there's something exciting about that. But it also depends where you're hearing it. I mean, like for right, like right now, if someone's listening to this on their phone using a phone speaker versus uh, headphones plugged into that or Bluetooth or what have you versus on a computer versus on a, uh, a stereo and they're sitting farther away from it, completely different audio experiences. Um, 
And I mean, in the same way, like the engineering here will have to take that into consideration to try to create an, a positive average experience across all listeners. And it's kind of the same thing within the context of trying to get at what they're trying to achieve. But with, with sound design, you got to get a list of everything they need to, and you work through it. So this may be out of your, your reach of what you've studied, but the question is that comes up for me is how, how does sound, daily sounds, impact our emotional landscape? Mm-hmm. Like in the, we started this conversation, we listened to a soundbite, and it was about you being at home and, and the washing machine, and, it's, and it set you off on this creative journey. Where someone else in their house, the washing machine may be a little bit off. It may be a form of agitation, thus creating another story. Where And so have you thought about how our daily sounds play in our emotional landscape and how one might be able to have more say-so in that? Yeah. No, that's actually that's a really good question. Um, I don't know how people can have more control over it, but I do think it starts with simply being aware of it. Um, I mean, I know one place I used to live in the morning, I'd wake up and it was right by a, a preschool. And so there were the sounds of children playing outside often, and it made for kind of a cheery place. It was sometime maybe I wanted it to be quieter, but generally that, that created a certain experience for me versus where I live now. Um, there's often bird sounds and I mean, there's, You'll hear cars zooming by and motorcycles revving their engine really loud every now and again and a car alarm going off. And I think all these, even if we don't notice them, I think they create a really distinct feeling for us, um, which is very personal and different person to person. Um, I mean, it might be anxious for some people. It might be relaxing for others. I mean, we, we might get used to it. And so then the lack of it would actually be confusing to us. But I do think... It is something that sound designers and and musicians generally do notice, um, even to the point where, you know, like in in films, any sound you hear distinctly enough to to come through over the speakers is something someone chose to add, whether that's the sound of of gravel crunching under someone's feet, um, birds chirping, plates in a restaurant. Like those are all, all those background, and I, I, I love that. I love listening to background sound effect tracks and just listening to that. And like there's different density ones you can listen to, and they're just, they're so interesting just because of what they implicitly communicate, uh, when there's something going on in the foreground. And I mean, that happens all around us when we're in a restaurant. If we close our eyes, you'll know you're in a restaurant unless there's nobody else there, of course, but you'll still there. You, you you know what that sounds like right now. You can think of that sound. And you can you can actually let's listen to another clip and see what what that brings up for us as well. Okay, David, take us away. What, what was that? <laughs> so that was for uh, an ad that I did some years ago, just an online ad. And, I mean, actually, that was a, a good one to play right after that because you could hear at the very beginning, well, I, I could hear. Uh, you'd have to have your radio turned up maybe, but 
Um, there's the sound in the background of an office at the very beginning. There's like between the sounds of the little doo-doo, there's this, these office background sounds, just kind of low-level conversation. Slightly indistinct, but it's there. Um, so what that was supposed to portray, the visuals were someone and you just see kind of their hand on a mouse and you see their computer screen. And now, is this a commercial or part of a film? Or? It was part of a commercial. It was part oh, of an ad. Okay. So emails arriving into their inbox and that was the doo-doo, that initial sound. And then the idea was that this person basically just ending up in a more relaxed state. And so then it, it, it the, they're ignoring these and it slowly turns into this steel drum to kind of show their, their relaxation, that they're, they're kind of drifting away. They're moving, they're going to a different world. It reminds me in listening to, uh, to how you've taken at times sounds that we hear every day and then turned them into something different, something musical. It reminds me of dance, at least with uh, Gregory Hines, when he made a whole tap routine based on the sounds of New York. Mm-hmm. So that film where he shows the the uh, sounds of uh Cabs moving in snow. He shows where the steam from the the bottom of the the um, ground in New York coming out. Doors closing. He would do with his feet. So he created a whole jazz tap mm-hmm. routine based on sound, which I think is part of his film called Jazz, showing the jazz musicians listen to the sounds that are happening in our lives. And, and bring them to tell a story yeah. about who we are at that particular time in life. And this is reminding me of that. Is there any sound that's irritating to you? <laughs> that there's something in the world that just annoys you? Like for me, it's um, gum chewing mm. and uh, people who eat loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mouth squish sounds are universally kind of gross to people that they're a little that we have a we we often have a problem with them um yeah i mean it's funny i think a lot of body sounds aren't necessarily things we like to hear um outside of you know there's your clapping there's the musical sounds the body makes too um but then yeah it's 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 sort of interesting i mean i i feel like any sound could be interpreted a positive or a negative way i mean um if I'm trying to concentrate and something interrupts me, I sound like if it is like a an extremely loud motorcycle or the um, a car alarm going off. Uh, sometimes that can be annoying. Sometimes it doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't. I can't say necessarily I ever cherish those sounds, but um, I, I mean I can certainly appreciate them as a sound outside of the situation when I hear them. Um, so I think it's more contextual. I don't know if there's any sound. Oh, well, that's not necessarily true. I do have a chalkboard problem. There's mm-hmm. the the uh, something metal on a chalkboard, mm-hmm. or on like a um, a piece of ceramic. Like a there's a certain kind of plate that we had growing up that a, a, a fork scraping it would always kind of set me on edge. Mm. So you started <laughs> classical. You moved to rock. Uh, your rock friends suggested you might 
want to do sound because of the you're, you're a little bit too left for because they didn't want to play my songs. Yeah, they didn't want to play <laughs> <laughs> at the very end, and so you did. You, I mean, they took you on a journey, unexpected journey that led you into this whole new world. To yeah, they were right. <laughs> they were right. Uh, what do you do now with your with your music? Right. So I mean, now I mean, I I. Um, when I think about music, I mean, I probably start with melody. So, I mean, I just write a lot of little things here and there that don't necessarily have a home. Um, I mean, I have a few recording projects that are sort of personal projects that I'm trying to put together. Um, most recently, last few years, I've had a, a pet project I've been trying to get off the ground while I've been doing, I do an odd ad project here or there, or I, you know, like that, uh, that theme song that we played earlier. Um, where I'm working to adapt a, a children's book that a friend of mine wrote um, into a stage musical, and because um, I, I there's something I love about great musicals, and so I've I've started working with this really this really talented writing team, and I'm, I'm really it's something I'm really excited about. I've been trying to find the right people for the last probably five years, and it's something I've been putting a lot of my energy into. Um, so this is a children's novel. It's a story. Children's story. Children's story. Yeah. And you say you love great musicals. Mm -hmm. What makes a group a great musical? And do you have one that you could share that we would probably all be familiar with? I mean, I I do think I think Hamilton's amazing. I mean, it's just off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I love Les Mis. I love. uh, I mean, I've loved lots of them over over the years. I think that one of the great things about a musical like Hamilton or Les Mis, Les Miserables, is actually that they take music as a character as opposed to... There are other musicals I like, but I might not identify as deeply with. So, for instance, in Hamilton, I mean, if you break down the music, it gets really deep. Um, every character has their own, their, own, uh, their own bit of lyric that is their theme. They have their literal motif, musical motif that follows them around. When two characters are having... Um, a good time. Their motifs, they're, they're, they they weave together in a nice way. When they're butting heads, their their musical motifs are dissonant with each other, um, or they're turned upside down. Or, I mean, it's um, yeah. And I I I love that. That's that's part of what motivates me to try to to want to actually create something because I love the idea of writing. I mean, I just write melodies all the time that don't have a place to live. Uh, way more melodies than I could possibly write songs. Um, and so the idea of this challenge of, okay, here's these 10 characters. Uh, let's come up with a motif for each of them. And it's almost like I have their musical motif. Now let's let them go in the story and let's see how, they're, how they make their music. There's a certain uh, letting the songs get created by the characters element that I, I really like, that I find really, um, really compelling. Is there something that you brought in in our last few minutes that I'm uh, spending time in conversation with David Mark Siegel? Is there something on the list that a song that you've created, a snippet that we could listen to? Um, sure, sure. Let's see. Let's see. Well, first, I want to say a shout out to Lauren if you're listening. Hi. Okay. Thank you. Hi, Lauren. Um, <laughs> and Delilah, if you are. So, yeah. I mean, actually. <clears throat> one thing that might be interesting is uh, 
is track 11. It, you mentioned jazz earlier. It's actually something I, I came up with when I, I think I first talked to you. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about this that's so interesting about jazz is they have a long history of taking music to represent non-musical things in jazz and blues. I mean, early blues would be just a single person and an acoustic guitar and they'd be making it sound like a train. And there's Duke Ellington songs where there's train, they, the instruments all turn into a, you know, they create a train sonically. Um, and then there's Sun Ra who creates the universe in outer space. So we're going to take a, a listen to this here in the last few seconds. Yeah. Okay, here we I think go. Track 11. Track 11. You're listening to David. David, thank you for being my guest. And that's a beautiful song. And yes, it did hit me that I knew that song well. You can listen to Joplin's Bistro tomorrow, honoring Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous Peoples Day, honor, bow down to the home in which we exist. I've been your host. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. KPFA year-end fund drive is coming up, and we need your help in the phone room. This short pledge drive begins Tuesday, December 4th through Friday, December 14th. Please join our volunteers who support us by answering phones from our community of donors. It's also the perfect time to make or increase your 2018 tax-deductible donation. We're heading into our 70th year of staying vigilant as always. All of us here at 94.1 FM KPFA. Thank you for your support. KPFA has gone social. Media, that is. Stay connected to all things KPFA by visiting our Facebook and Twitter pages, where you'll be able to get special access to additional news and information from all of your favorite KPFA news and music programs. And make sure to check out KPFA's YouTube channel for never-seen-before musical performances and past KPFA author events. KPFA knows this is your station, and we want you to feel connected to us at all times so we can all continue to stay vigilant as always.